Colin, how are you, mate? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Yeah, super, super busy at this time of year, and that's maybe why there's been a little bit of a delay between episodes. I'm going to be moving house uh, in a couple of weeks, so if there is any sort of delays or anything, apologies, but that's just that's just the way things are at the moment. So, yeah, apart from being busy, mate, all good, all good. Um, been up to anything? <laughs> Not really, mate. Um, I've got, I've got a new job. I applied for a new role in work and was successful, so I start that. In a couple of weeks, and I finish up work. Um, when does this go out tonight? This goes out tonight. Um, tomorrow's Friday, and then after that, I'm off for two weeks. So I'm planning on sitting on Mars and eating crisps and watching the World Cup. So and then after that, I've got a new job to start. So I'm quite happy. Mate, see this World Cup? It's the most just inopportune thing. I've got, I don't even know. For example, who's in England's group? I don't know any of the. I don't know what the opening game is. I don't nothing. I, I think know England's group's Iran. I think it's Iran, Australia, and USA. Yeah. I think. Don't get me wrong. If there's football on, and I've got I think like I think a lot of people have, have got a better taste in their mouth about it, and they think it's pretty awful and horrendous. And it is. And Qatar shouldn't be hosting the World Championships of Tiddlywinks around the World Cup. However, football fans are well known. Um, for ignoring bad things and just focusing on the football. And I think once it kicks off, I think people will just talk about the football and that's all they'll be interested in. And four matches a day, 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock will captivate enough people, myself included, I think, just to forget about the nastiness and just enjoy the football. And you know what? I think it's not a bad way to think of it because you and I certainly aren't going to change anything. So why give yourself that heartache? Yeah, it's... Obviously, I've got issues with that side of things as well, but just when it is and stuff like that, it's just bizarre. Everybody knows it's bizarre, but um, we're not here to speak about the World Cup, although this guy could be a World Cup winner if it was a serial killer World Cup. Um, <laughs> I, I will uh, just quickly say I will just quickly say that I, I, this World Cup is at a terrible time of year. However, I've never been more welcome of the break from Rangers as we've got just now, so yeah, I'm, I'm delighted at that, to be fair. So, yeah, but I, this guy would definitely be... Um, a home nation's entry at the World Cup for sure. Yes, originally from Scotland, this guy um, starred by David Tennant was in a show recently about him. That's Dennis Nielsen. Did you watch the TV show? What was it called? Can you remember? Um, yeah, they did a very very clever title. Actually, they called it Nielsen, and um, it was on ITV. And I generally swear of ITV dramas like The Plague. Oh, they're horrible David- usually. Yeah, but David Tennant and the fact it was a serial killer made me watch it, and it was good. He was very, very creepy. He 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 looked like him. He acted like him. He got the mannerisms was spot on, and uh, it was very enjoyable. I really liked it. Yeah, I think most of you that are listening to this will have heard of Dennis Nielsen and know about serial killers. So we're, we're going to give you a brief overview of sort of like who he was, what he did, and then we'll sort of get a wee bit more depth. So obviously he was a serial killer. He was into stuff like necrophilia and dismemberment, which I always think takes a serial killer to like next level, like Premier League material serial killer, and double-digit numbers as well. So uh, I think 16 confirmed victims, although you might read 15 in other places. He was at it for five years, Colin, between 78 and 83. Uh, that says eventually arrested in 1983, yeah, so that's what he he was up to. Uh, What what about him as a person? When was he born and stuff like that? Who was he killed? He was born born on November the 23rd, 1945. 
Um, his profile basically has um, kind of kind of his victim profile, you could say, yeah. was students or homeless men uh, that he would basically pick up in bars, bring them back to his house, and uh, they would never leave. Um, big fan of the old strangulation. That was how he killed the vast majority of them. Um, this all happened uh, mostly in London. Um, he'd, he'd moved down there from originally, I think he was one of these places at Stock Glasgow. Um, took her place. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, you know how I feel about this, Jack. If, if it's not Glasgow, it's just fucking took her land. It's um, that's what I say as well. It's terrible, but that's just true. the way it is. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison uh, on the fourth of November, nineteen eighty-three. Uh, so it's, I mean it's a lot it's a quick turnaround isn't it compared to some of these stuff he was arrested in February the 9th 1983 and he was in prison for life later on that one year uh, November 83 so in nine months they had basically had the, the case the court case ready to go and he was done and sometimes these things go on for years um, so there's the place he was born in November 45 in a place called Fraserburgh in Scotland now like I said, that's I think I would say that's like kind of Fifey place or somewhere like that kind of place. I don't know. Um, I think so, mate. I couldn't even tell you if it was north or south of Glasgow. To be honest with you, I don't uh, know. Never. I, I can guarantee they speak funny there, and um, they've not got that many shops in that. <laughs> Life is drinking Fraserburgh. Yeah, so he, <laughs> yeah. he didn't get called uh, the Fraserburgh Fondler or the Fraserburgh. Uh, Fraserborough, Fraserborough, I'll fuck you up or whatever. No, he the Fraserborough Fingerer? Yeah, wasn't he called that? He was called the Muswell Hill Murderer, basically, because that's where he lived down in England. Or, one that I hadn't heard was the, the Kindly Killer. Um, I've never never heard that one before. That one didn't stick, but the Muswell Hill Murderer did. And like I say, he killed at least 15, we think it's 16, um, usually men uh, and sort of boys even in pretty horrific and gruesome circumstances between like we said 78 and 83 and he was known to retain these corpses and then fuck them um, he was eventually caught after they basically stuck dismembered human entrails uh, down his drain basically in the drain cleaning company found the drains were congested with human flesh and eventually they contacted the, the police, basically. And due to similarities, obviously, with uh, Damer, he, he was nicknamed uh, the British Jeffrey Damer. Um, no, I still don't think he's quite on the same scale as Jeffrey Damer because he wanted to create zombies and eat them and stuff like that. So that takes you to <laughs> a whole other new level. But, like I say, he's pretty high up there. Pretty much a, a, a top, a top, top serial killer, if you want to I call see. that. Just on Jeffrey Damer, that Jeffrey series on Netflix has done so well. They've renewed it for another two seasons. Um, right. I watched the first two episodes of that, and because we've covered Jeffrey Damer and we've done a lot of reading and, and speaking about him, like I really enjoyed like the wee, like the things that they got right. Obviously, like the video was the Exorcist three, so you know that's coming, and you're thinking, right, you're sitting watching Exorcist three, we know that. But after two episodes, it didn't captivate captivate me enough to go back and watch the rest of it so I've only watched two episodes of it man is it oh, worth is it yeah. worth going back and like just charging through yeah I thought I thought it was excellent really good he proper creepy creepy performance as well by the main guy uh, really really good and it's, and it's been so popular they're making another two seasons of it and right. um, they haven't announced who the two seasons are going to be about yet so they're going to pick two new killers and basically do this to give them the, the whole Jeffrey treatment long form high 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 um 
production values and stuff like that and see who they do. It'd be interesting to see who they do. It's uh, got to be... Gacy's got to be up there because of the whole, like, double-double life side of his personality, the clown side of things. Gacy's yeah. got to be in the hat, you'd imagine, for that. And also the guy that we covered... Uh, the River Killer, the Green River, River Killer. Killer as well. Yeah. He's got to be up there, I think. Those would be... It needs to be, it needs to be somebody who can stretch it at 10 episodes or so, doesn't it? It's got to be somebody with a lot of meat to the bones, so they too would yeah, have for that. I think, because Gacy was friends with politi- local politicians and stuff like that. There's a whole two-sided thing to his story that I think would be good for a, a sort of dramatised 10 episode thing. So that would be that would be my pick. Have you got any other picks that you think you'd like to watch a sort of long-form thing on? So my, my answer is always the same for this stuff, and it's it's always it's, it's technically he's not a serial killer, um, but Luca McNaughta, the Luca McNaughta show, I think is the most interesting one. That's the Netflix did the 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 the, the, the one about the cats basically because he started, they started yeah. with touching the yeah, don't fuck with the cats. I think it was called. I've listened to quite a few long form podcasts who did two four or five hour podcasts on him, yeah. and there's far far more to that story than that little documentary did. Um, I'd love to see something a bit more about him. That was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, we covered them. We covered them as well. It was quite interesting just covering them, even for that hour. So, yeah, I'm more modern up to date one. I suppose I'd probably, I would probably watch that myself, Colin. But we'll go back to Dennis Nielsen, uh, Bomb and Stricken. So Aberdeenshire. So there you go. It's up the way, um, not down the way. So we got, uh, we got that wrong straight away right at the right. start. Um, Scottish mother, Norwegian father. As always with these things, the father was um, a bit of a bit of a dickhead, an alcoholic, and his parents eventually divorced when he was young. He was only four years old, Dennis, uh, and his mother then remarried and decided to send Dennis to the grandparents, which is a story you hear quite a lot as well. You know that relationship, same as Jeffrey Demer with the grandmother. Yeah. Um, but after a couple of years, he was sent back to his mother again. Um, yeah, Nielsen claimed that the first traumatic event that shaped his life came about when he was a small child. When his uh, beloved grandfather died, his mother was a strict Catholic, and she insisted that he view the body before the burial. Before the burial, and it's unknown whether it was this incident or his mother and his stepfather's lectures on the impurities of the flesh, which helped shape him into what he was to become. Uh, nobody really knows, but as a small child, I think if your grandfather dies and you're particularly fond of him, I don't think you need to see him dead. I don't think that's helpful to anybody, and it certainly wasn't to him. No, I remember seeing my. My mum's aunts, so my great auntie, um, in in a casket at the the funeral director's home when I was about thirteen or something, fourteen, and it was just like, what the, f- why why the fuck am I looking at this? This is yeah, was horrendous. So I, um, then when my dad died, I was I did why I went no, I don't want to see him dead. Yeah, <laughs> my dad's yeah, my dad's sister, my dad's sister passed away, and they asked if anybody wanted to see her, and the only person that wanted to see her was my dad. He wanted to he wanted to see her. And I didn't right. want him to do it himself, sort of thing. So I said I would do it. So I went, I went in with him, sort of thing. And it was horrific, but I just didn't want him doing it himself, sort of thing. But it was. No, that's, that's some it's, good shunning from you there, mate. It's a weird yeah. old thing, man. It's not cool. Yeah, so in 61. Well, I think, I think I, again, that this feels like this rings true with, De- with Jeffrey Damer. So I'm thinking, I'd, I don't know what to do with myself. So joining, like, the army. Or like one of the sort of armed forces, basically, and he was a. He didn't join like the the troopers, basically. He was a cook, um, Cyprus and Berlin and stuff like that. And he was actually in the army for quite a while. He was in the army for eleven years, and did also briefly 
serve as a police officer. Uh, but from the mid nineteen seventies, Nielsen um, sort of settled down into a decent enough respectable job. He was a civil servant, basically worked the job centre, helped people find jobs and things like that. So he was doing, I think he was doing an all right service. Um, there was no real massive pointers towards him being such a fucking maniac at this time. You know, he seemed to just get on with life for a decade or two, basically. But obviously things um, eventually get a little bit fucked up. Yeah, he, he was involved in a bunch of relationships at the time. Um, pretty superficial stuff. Short, short stuff. Stuff I didn't know the last uh, transitionary relationships you could call them with men. Um, these men, though, did not share his feelings of profound isolation and loneliness. And uh, Jeffrey had this longing to find somebody who would never leave him, who he could control and have with him forever. And um, sadly, Jack, the only thing that you can really guarantee in life that will never leave you and be with you forever in terms of a human being is if you make them a corpse. And uh, that's what he started doing. Well, that's it. Like, again, there's this, it's obviously very much pop psychology from us, but like they lose that that person at that young age, like the grandfather here, getting abandoned by the the one person that you love the most at that age will obviously give you real. I'm saying obviously, but it, it would appear to give this guy severe attachment issues. That you're just that petrified of getting left by yourself to decide to start fucking people up, and those people were basically, like we mentioned earlier, students. And, and homelessness, pe- uh, homeless people. So, people that nobody really cares about. Um, he would pick them up in bars, uh, take them back to the house, either just for sex or even sometimes just for company. Uh, he would then strangle them. <laughs> so, back company, and then he would strangle them. <laughs> um, and then he would he would drown them as well. So, sort of during the night, uh, waking up with little memory of what he had done because he was a blackout drinker. Again, similar to Dema, and he'd served a bit of time as apprenticeship butcher, which is something we know that you wanted to do, Colin. And um, one of our friends is a butcher, and he, he owns David Cox Butchers. And um, if you want to get tasty steak from the, oh, fuck, <laughs> you told me this before. This uh, dry aged, dry aged. Yes, box. well done. <laughs> And the best, not the, the, best not the, not the as, yeah, not as you used to call it, the smoky cupboard. Um, <laughs> I don't which, like smoky uh, that much as well. Yeah, George himself took great delight. He he thoroughly enjoyed the idea of having a smoky cupboard in his shops. Um, oh. But yeah, George is all set for Christmas. He's got Christmas hampers. He's got all your normal Christmas stuff. There's deliveries right up until New Year's Eve. Sorry, Christmas Eve. Twenty uh, fourth of December and twenty fourth of December, you can still get stuff delivered. Be that from the Brigton store or from the one in Kings Park, or directly from the website. And um, you can even pay for your stuff now on the website in free, interest-free payments uh, using Klarna. So check that out if you want to spread the cost of your Christmas dinner, which I think a lot of people are doing. Um, but check them out, davidcoxbutchers.co.uk. Yeah, so we're speaking about some really tasty meats uh, right in the middle of this uh, absolutely horrendous scene. So kind of apologies for that. But yeah, I think Dennis was a, a butcher when he was younger. Uh, he learned those skills in the army, I think. So he obviously used those skills to help him dispose of bodies, basically. He had access to this large garden and was able to burn many of the remains in, in bonfires over time as well. In 1981, he moved an upstairs flat Kind of cottage flat type thing, one flat below, one below. He was the one above. Um, 
key thing here. That that cottage flat would have a shared drain. Um, but his murders continued. They found it quite difficult to dispose of the remains, and he had suitcases basically full of human organs, and he stored them in his wardrobe. He had plastic bags of human remains that he put under the floorbeds, and the neighbours below began to notice the smell. And uh, he then began to try to dispose of the bodies by flushing them down the toilet. When he did that, he blocked the sewerage of his house in Muswell Hill, 23 Cranley Gardens, North London. And uh, a company was called Jack to unblock the sewer system. Uh, they first found the drain to be packed with a flesh-like substance. That drain inspector called his supervisor to assess the situation. Uh, however, his supervisor couldn't come out until the next day, by which time the drain had been cleared. Um, this aroused the suspicions of the drain inspector and his supervisor, who immediately called the police. Closer inspection occurred and some small bones and what looked like chicken flesh were found in a pipe leading up from the drain. These were, of course, later discovered to be of human origin. Yeah, the master criminal there, you know, flushing shit down the drain and like flushing the drain the day after you've been caught. <laughs> like, do that first, man. And I don't... The one thing that kind of does get me is with, with the smell. Like, I don't think I've ever smelled rotten flesh or anything like that, but it's got to be disgusting. I don't understand how neighbours in any of these places don't phone earlier or think, what the fuck is that smell? Phone the yeah. landlord, like, check themselves, chap the door. It just seems like, I don't know, it just it's always something that kind of sticks in my mind. Like, why did they not smell that earlier? It's got to have a distinctive smell. It, it can just smell like, you know how sometimes your bin starts to smell a bit thirsty yeah. or something? Because you put a rotten banana say, in it. You, you know yourself, if you leave something in the fridge too long and chicken goes off, or a bit of meat goes off, a bit of steak goes off or something like that, then it does stink when you discover it down the back of the fridge or whatever. So if you imagine that on a much bigger scale and not contained in a fridge, just in a suitcase somewhere or under a floorboard, it will yeah. be absolutely honking and you're right. These people, I don't know how you keep up with that or you don't do something else about it. I can't imagine being in that situation and not kicking up hell if that was the smell that's going to my house every day. Nah, that's it. He's got to 1983 and he was, well... Unsurprisingly, he was arrested for multiple murders. And Dennis Nielsen, he didn't apologise for murdering people. He apologised uh, to the police for not being able to tell them how many people exactly that he had murdered. Uh, when his house was searched, they found three heads in a cupboard. So again, the head's been sitting there for months. Uh, found 13 more bodies uh, in Nielsen's former place of res- residence in uh, a place called Crinkle uh, Melrose Avenue, which sounds... Kind of sounds like... Melrose Place? Yeah, it does sound really Melrose Place. Is that a show? Yeah, yeah it's a, it was a show from the 80s, which was very much yeah. uh, like kind of like Dallas type thing, only more women oriented, I think. Um, yeah, okay. We really could hear Jack, right? And uh-huh. I, I, I apologise for it in advance, right? We were talking about the smell and how horrific they would be. Those three heads that are kept in the cupboard, right? They're not under the floorboards. They're not stored away in suitcases. They're in a cupboard so he's got easy access to them because basically he's fucking them, right? So combine that smell with the smell of fucking it over and over again. Like, you've, you've spoke before about the smell of your wank sock when you're a teenager, right? Have I? <laughs> no, it's made that bad. Oh. <laughs> I should really say, like, I've told people a lot of things about my personal life when I was younger, but I never had a wank sock, for sake. <laughs> But if you can imagine, if you can imagine that sort of putrid smell, and it's combined by a human head, then 
It's <laughs> fucking grim, man. It's fucking, fucking grim. Absolutely humdinking, yes. Um, <laughs> he had a trial he the old trial. Yeah. yeah, on you go, mate. Um, he was, during the trial, he was very cold and distant. Um, he seemed utterly unaffected by this, which was a it was a real part of the TV show, actually, just how deadpan he was, how switched off he was. Because this was a guy who was relatively intelligent, Jack. He'd had jobs in the job centre. He'd been a policeman. He'd been in the army. He'd been a cook. This wasn't your stereotypical loner who really couldn't do anything. This was a guy that was quite capable and intelligent enough, and he was able to turn on enough charm in these bars to bring people back. But he just switched into this total deadpan, I can't remember, really matter-of-fact type of guy. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison. Um, the minimum term was set at 25 years by the trial judge. But the Home Secretary later got involved and imposed a whole life tariff, which meant he would never be released, something that doesn't happen all that often in this country. Um, however, the Home Secretary was then stripped of their powers to set minimum terms in November of 2002. And yeah. it was revealed that Nielsen would be freed on life licence in 2008 because of his original 25-year prison minimum sentence. And back in 1993, he was given permission to start doing live television interviews from prison. Yeah, then in 2018, but he never got out of jail, did he? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he I don't know. think he would have got out. Yeah. I don't think so. No, right. So we'll, we'll speak about the, the murders and the attempted murders, and that's basically the story. Uh, we'll go a little bit more into depth about his trial and stuff like that in a, in a couple of minutes. So, murder one, we'll just take these one at a time, basically. Um, because you okay. can. Can I, I've said this before, you do kind of want to give the victims a name in, the, in these shows, even though it's, no, I they're not listening. Even though, no, even though they're not listening and nobody really, nobody really cares. Like, let's be perfectly honest, you might know about the serial killer, but we're going to try and try at least give them a name. So this took place in December, just before New Year, um, 1978. Nielsen claimed to have met his first victim at a gay bar, strangled him with a necktie until he was unconscious, and then drowned him in a bucket of water. So he double killed him. Uh, and then on January the 12th, it was announced that the victim had been identified eventually as a guy called Stephen Dean, Dean Holmes, um, who was born in 1964, and was therefore, yeah. if you can't do the maths that quickly, was only 14 years of age at the time, and he was heading home from like, basically a concert, a, a pop concert, whatever, like whatever, concert 14 year olds were attending um, back in yeah, the uh, late 70s important thing there that he was identified in January the 12th of 2006 so yeah yeah sorry was, I, it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't December yeah. then January it was found it was March so, it was, so uh, sorry, it was lad, 2006 this poor lad went missing in 1978 at the age of 14 and it took 28 years for his family to actually find out who he was and what happened to him sort of thing which is yeah. pretty grim that's really horrible um, yeah, so like, he, he actually, yeah, yeah, um, just before you go on the second murder, he did try and murder a, a student for Hong Kong that he'd met in the West End, but um, never managed to actually finish him off, basically. And this is mad because Nielsen was questioned by the police the amount of fucking times this happens in cases from the 70s and 80s, when it involves, especially when it involves homosexual men, they just don't care because he was questioned. And then they shouldn't decided not to prosecute, and he went on to murder another sixteen people after it. It's mad because he was released without charge. That's how like, ha- we do like this. I mean, this happens every show, uh, whether it's UK, <laughs> America, anywhere, anywhere. They seem to just they get they should get caught really, really early, and through incompetence alone, they don't. Yeah, it's, that, that is it's a, mad. But, 
the thing I don't really understand here, I probably should have looked into this a little bit deeper to bring you um, a little bit of insight, but just because the student decided not to prosecute, I still thought if it was something as, like, you don't need a victim to want to prosecute when it's something as bad as what would appear to be attempted murder here. And I don't know if the law was different back then, but, like, say you try to murder me, and I, then I go, oh, Collins, all right, actually, it's fine. The, the police would still prosecute you for trying to murder me, surely. <laughs> Even if depends, I, I suppose. Um, I, I suppose it would depend if the only evidence of it was you saying that I'd done it. Right, okay. Now, that might be it then. Maybe it's, it was only circumstantial and, or only a witness statement, basically. Right, okay, that maybe makes a little bit more sense then. Um, murder 2, then the second victim happened on December the 3rd, 1979. This was a Canadian student, a guy called Kenneth Ockendon, and um, they died uh, during sexual intercourse. He was strangled um, during the sexual intercourse, and um, he was one of very few murder victims of Nielsen's who was actually reported as a missing person. Um, we said earlier on, he, he, he honed in on homeless guys and young guys that were particularly didn't have anybody, drifters, people that were kind of alone. This was some guy that actually had a family, a family that cared about him and were trying to find him at the time as well. Yeah, we're back to sort of children um, for his third victim, a guy called Martin Buffy. He was only 16 years of age and down in his luck because he was homeless. At the time, he was uh, from Birkenhead, and in 1980, in the May, um, basically, if you're homeless and stuff like that, and a guy says, you want to come to my house and get something to eat, or you, you probably jump at that opportunity, but um, unfortunately, it was Dennis Nielsen's house, so he was strangled and then drowned in the sink, was young Martin, yeah, 16 years age. Yep. Yeah, um, this is a Scottish victim, a guy called Billy Sutherland, a male prostitute from Scotland. Um, Nielsen, when questioned on this one, couldn't remember exactly how he murdered Sutherland, However, it was later revealed that the victim had been strangled by someone using their bare hands. So, how do you forget that? Yeah, you're that blind drunk that you don't know if you've used a necktie or actually strangled them with your... See, because like when 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 you're drunk, mate, you, we've all been drunk and we've all sort of been... See, when a, when a certain situation arises, for example, when you're drunk, you tend to sober up a bit. You know, yeah. like, say you're drunk and there's a fight and the police turn up or something. You, you, yeah. you sober up, you go like that, right, wait a minute. Um, and he, he kind of remember, it's madness, it's madness. Um, he, he, I think he, he kind of found easier victims here, and that was male prostitutes, because the next guy, uh, the fifth victim, um, was never identified, basically. But they're pretty sure he was a, another male prostitute, uh, probably from the, the Philippines or, or Thailand. So we kind of give murder victim number five. Um a name, but the next two, I'll let you take the next two, mate, because again, it's just this sort of this guy, Nielsen doesn't remember what happened. Yeah, and that, that's a bit of a pattern in these next few, actually. Um, victim number six, he couldn't remember much about it at all. Um, he basically all he could remember about number six was that he was a young Irish labourer that he'd met in a bar, and uh, the seventh victim, he described him as a starving hippie type that he found sleeping in a doorway in Charing Cross. Um, that was literally all he could remember about these two people. Um, however, Jack, the next one, um, he could remember even less. Yeah. And when you say even less, his words were nothing. Doesn't remember anything at all. I mean, he's a victim, not a thing. Um, nine and ten. Basically, all he can remember was there were sort of young Scottish guys that he picked up in a bar. You know, so... That's it, that's all he remembers. 
that's what I remember. Like literally nothing about eight, and then they were Scottish about nine and ten, basically. Um, Mother Victor eleven. Um, he was a skinhead that Nielsen picked up at uh, Piccadilly Circus with a tattoo around his neck saying "cut here," that <laughs> like with a perforated thing around your neck. Um, I was going to say it was a popular tattoo. Not it was one of those tattoos. It was a joke that a few people would have had. Um, he supposedly boasted to Nielsen how tough he was and how he liked to fight. Basically, however, uh, once Nielsen got him. Uh, pissed up basically he, he, he had no chance um, he hung his naked tail this is when it starts to get a, a little bit more fucked up um, this guy he hung his torso uh, in his bedroom for 24 hours um, before buried it under the floorboard so he's got memories of that of just hanging up the guy's torso basically but I wonder if he, I wonder if again again I was going to say pop psychology here kind of feels like he was getting sick of not having a challenge, like oh yeah, fuck, because he remembers the he remembers the the guys that he met male prostitutes, and then he just forgets them. People and then he thought like I'm going to take on this skinhead because he thinks he's a hard nut and make uh, a mockery of his body in my bedroom. But I mean, it is pop psychology, but there could be something to it. You're right. Um, here's something else that annoys you, Jack. At the point between murder six and eleven. It's a bit of a vague timeline, which is why you can't be specific around it. But around about um, November the tenth, nineteen eighty, in between all those murderers, uh, murders, sorry, a potential victim of Nielsen's woke up while Nielsen was strangling them, and he was able to fend off the attack and get away. He phoned the police immediately after the attack, but no action was taken by the officers, who it's reported considered the incident to be a domestic disagreement between two gay lovers. So it's just a domestic, it's fine. We'll just not even take into account what they're doing. Like, see, when people are involved in domestic abuse nowadays, if, like, people are known to be domestic abusers, like, they don't have a list and stuff like that now, you know what I mean? But over and above this, that it was just oh, two gay guys fighting. Um, I just total incompetence and total... Um, Homophobia, basically, from the police. Twelve victims. Yeah, just yeah, onto this next one, Jack. Yeah. I don't want to say this next one's funny, right? Because it's not, but it is a little bit, right? Um, <laughs> just in a, in a, well, you you can take it by all means, but it's just it, it's fucking talk about irony. Go for it. Right. Okay. So the twelve victim, and this was like uh, Nielsen's last victim before he moved home, was a man called Malcolm Barlow, and he was murdered on September eighteenth, nineteen eighty-one. Nielsen found him in a doorway not far from his own home, and took him in and called an ambulance for him. Then when Barlow was released the next day, <laughs> so it is, he returned home to thank him um, for saving his life, basically. Uh, uh, got invited in for a nice meal and a couple of drinks, and then the sentence just says he was murdered later that night. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, the um... guy just genuinely going to thank somebody for cheers for looking after me and then you get murdered <laughs> fucking three years later man yes. proper madness um, he moved back to Muswell Hill uh, moved there to a new house in October 81, uh, well there he met a student in a bar in Soho and invited them back to his new home, the student woke up the next morning with little recollection of what had been on the previous evening he later went to see his doctor because he had some bruising around his neck the doctor said it looks as though you've been strangled and advised him to go to the police. However, the victim was afraid of his sexual orientation being discovered, so didn't go to the police. Yes, yeah, so following that attempted murder, Nielsen met a drag queen 
uh, in a pub basically in Camden. And after passing out from strangulation, he came to while Nielsen was trying to drown him in a bath of cold water, and he managed to fight off his attacker. But there's no real follow-up to that about what happened. I don't know if this uh, drag queen maybe um, came about after he'd been charged, came out and told the story that I got away from the yeah. Muzz Mental Hill murderer, like because, that. again, something you, you would have thought something would have been done about that, but again, the post probably would have been, then a guy dressing up like a woman, he'd, Take nothing to do with it, basically. Yeah, those those strange people. Just you know what they got to. Just leave them to it. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. Um, back in the murder train here, murder thirteen. A guy called John Howlett, and he was the first to be murdered at the Muswell Hill home. Um, in December of eighty one, he was one of the very few who did fight back. However, um, Nielsen took a dislike to him, and it was determined that he would die. Uh, we've seen in the past some of the ones that fought back or came to got away wasn't going to happen this time. It was a tremendous struggle. Um, at one point, Howlett even tried to strangle Nielsen back. Um, Howlett was eventually drowned. However, after having his head held underwater for five minutes, uh, he was the first body to be dismembered and his various body parts were hidden around the house or flushed down the toilet. Yeah, so if he's in Muswell Hill by now and he had three heads, I think it's these next three guys, basically. So he- if he would have kept going, he would have just kept everybody's head, I think. Uh, Mother 14 was a guy called Graham Allen, a homeless guy that he met in a place. Oh, so childish, called Shaft, Shaftsbury Avenue. Uh, <laughs> after, <laughs> after murdering him, he left uh, the guy's body in the bath. was pretty unsure how to dispose of it, and after three days he dismembered it. Um, like the previous guy as well, so he was starting to, he's starting to get more fucked up. Like you know how they do tend to get like more bold and brash as they go on these serial yeah. killers. He was starting to get into the not just murdering them, drowning them, but they're cutting them up by now. Um, before we get to the last guy that we know of, although we do think there might be one more. Uh, but that's yeah, we'll get to. Um, I can't let the Shaftesbury Avenue thing go unannounced though. Um, it, it always makes me think of. There's a particularly busy street in Glasgow which has always got traffic problems in the morning. So if you listen to any of the local radio stations that do any traffic shootouts, you'll often hear about a build-up of traffic in Balshagri Avenue. Balshagri um, Avenue is busy, it's been nice. Just <laughs> yeah. um, I remember laughing at that as a young guy, laughing at it 10 years ago, and I still laugh at it today. Um, but yeah, Murder 15, Nielsen's final victim that we know about was a drug addict called Stephen Sinclair. Uh, they met in Oxford Street and Sinclair managed to scrounge a hamburger off Nielsen, who then suggested they go back to his place. Uh, they dropped into an alcohol and heroin fueled stupor. Sinclair was strangled and his body dismembered. It was Sinclair's dismembered remains in the drain outside the house that first alerted the police to Nielsen's murders. Yeah, going over a wee bit old ground here. We eventually get to the old Bailey, so on the 24th of October, so he was arrested. That was six, seven one, months one year before, before I was born. There you are. Um, 1983, yep. He decided to uh, plead diminished responsibility as a defence, but uh, that never flew. Uh, he, he was trying to basically just get manslaughter charges rather than murder charges, but was eventually convicted of six murders and two attempted murders, sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, again, um, the minimum term was set with 25 years, the Home Secretary, all that sort of stuff, we went over earlier. Um, in 2006, he was denied any further requests for parole, basically. So he was told, you're never getting out, there's no point in even kidding on, that you've um, grown as a person and feel remorse and stuff like that because you're obviously a maniac. So, um, yeah, where did he, he went to prison? Where was he put in prison? He went to, um, at the time, 
Her Majesty's Prison Full Sutton, but of course now His Majesty's Prison Full Sutton. Yep. Um, it's the first time we've done that in a show. Um, maximum security, obviously, that's in the East Ridings uh, area of Yorkshire. Uh, during his time there, he was a bit of a thorn in the side of prison authorities. Um, he brought in some judicial review proceedings over Whitemore's prison decision to not allow him access to gay pornography. Um, this went as far as a judge, basically, who refused it. Um, he said that it was part of his human rights, he should be able to look at gay porn, but they, they decided against that <laughs> no. and wouldn't, and wouldn't yeah. um, he Prison rules were not discriminatory, and he also failed to receive any greater access to such materials as a result. Um, in 2003, he brought a further additional review over a decision to not allow him to publish his autobiography that he wrote, which he called The History <clears throat> of a Drowning Boy. Jesus. You know, um, we mentioned the fight the Nielsen TV show. There was another film made about him uh, called Cold Light of Day. And it, I think it was actually pretty well received because it won a, an award at the Venice Film Festival in 1990, but it's not a film that I've ever heard of no, or yeah. seen. Uh, there's also a song by a band that I've never heard of called uh, Macabre. Uh, I don't know, I would presume they're some sort of metal band. Um, they done a song called You're Dying to Be With Me and it appeared on their album which was called Murder Metal, there we are uh, that's oh, what I tell you, what type of band there which appeared in, so 2003 so it wasn't that long, I'm sure it wasn't that long it was nearly fucking 20 years ago but <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's sort of him seeping into popular culture and now that you've you've told me about that TV show and David Tennant being pretty good in it mate, I think I might actually stick it on yeah, tonight, maybe Karen's working, so I'm maybe sticking out on the night and watch a couple of episodes of it and see. I think it's only three parts or something like that. It's not a big long thing, right? So okay. sure it's only about three parts. It's ITV, so there'll be breaks for adverts. It's probably about three forty-five minute episodes or something like that. Um, but it's good. It's very well done. And David Tennant is unfortunate in a way that he looks quite like him, which makes it very creepy as well. There's a, a real likeness between the two, especially when he puts on the old uh, creepy specs. Yeah. yeah. They are totally creepy specs. So they are. <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny you should mention that. The the Jeffrey Dalmer specs, you know, the big specs that Jeffrey wore? Yes. They've kind of became popular in the last year off the back of that documentary. See, I've seen quite a few examples of people wearing those glasses now. They've kind of came back into pop culture again off the back of Jeffrey Dalmer, which is fucking horrific. It's mental. But it, it doesn't surprise me. It does not surprise me. At all that they've sort of come back into fashion, but we'll call that a day, um, Colin. And that was a brief overview of Dennis Nielsen and his victims. So, cheers, man! Cheers. Um, we are for the for the people that join us on the Patreon, the good guys, the the main eventers, our favourite listeners on Patreon.com forward slash Wrong Term Memory. We are looking at doing a little bit of extra content over the World Cup. Don't worry, it's not football related. You've got somebody else to go for that. But maybe looking at um, a wee bit of a, a mini dive into each of the countries, try to find out the most silly or fucked up things about them. And um, maybe going to do a little bit of that. Um, it's, we're at least talking about it just now anyway. If you happen to know anything like that, anything that fits in, shove it in the comments on Patreon um, or get in touch on Twitter. You know you know where to find us, at Colin and at Rangers Bet. And uh, let us know about any of that stuff as well. We'll try and include it. Yeah, because like I said, but busy at the moment moving house and stuff like that, so there may be on the public feed anyway, so people that don't subscribe might need to not listen to us for a week or two, you never know. But on Patreon, uh, there will be there'll be some stuff for you guys because, well, 
you give us money, so yeah, we deserve it. I've a lot of new furniture to buy and stuff like that. And it's, it's Christmas, I want to buy as many pigs and blankets as I could possibly shove down my throat. So, by all means, please continue on the Patreon. Tell your friends if you've not got any friends, buy two Patreons, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> we would indeed, but cheers for tuning in as always, guys. Cheers, bye.